0: Welcome to Fired Up Friday. I'm Gerard Papa, Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt and Principal Consultant at Dynamic Resolutions Group, DRG. Have you heard the old saying, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time? Well, I not only believe this, but I live it every day. My goal was to help the business world embrace it. I have process improvement and strategic planning expertise, and I seek opportunities to tackle challenges with a focus on innovation, efficiency, and quality. I have over 25 years of customer service experience in the hospitality, retail, IT, and healthcare industries. Welcome to Fired Up Friday. I will be discussing topics that fire me up. Today's topic is addressing the toxic workplace, probably one of my favorite subjects. I am pleased to have back with me my wife, Dr. Sarah Papa.
1: Good morning. Hello, everyone.
0: Sarah, you want to talk a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. Uh, I am a public health project director, and I'm currently working in the Northern Virginia area, and I'm managing a tobacco prevention project as well as a falls prevention for older adults project. Happy to be here.
0: Thanks for joining. So Sarah and I, uh, for a little background, we've been together roughly 30 years, and I think one of the biggest topics that we've had discussing, especially when, when I get home, after work is kind of the effect of it that a toxic workplace has. What we're going to do uh, in our podcast today is talk about how do you know that you work at a toxic environment, Uh, personal stories and examples, things that we've lived through, like I said, for the last 30 years, Uh, the bottom line, what it really means for business. And this point, I, I don't really think businesses really understand how much of a negative impact it has. On them, or they do, and they don't want to admit it because uh, they're willing to sacrifice a lot of things for toxic employees. And then, you know, what to do, how to handle it, uh, things that uh, you can do to survive. Actually, uh, what I would start off saying is I think every organization that I've at least worked at has some sort of toxic environment. I think the best you can hope for is the smallest degree of toxicity. I think with me personally, again, if you listen to my high school principal podcast, uh, a lot of the same principles apply here, right? Uh, A lot of the things that exist, exist because we're still in high school. And these things wouldn't get away with if if we weren't, if we had more of an objective kind of mentality.
1: Right. And I think With me, when I think back on some of the different places where I've worked, it's not only just, uh, you know, supervisor to subordinate, but there's also a lot of peer-to-peer toxicity that goes on. And, you know, it's not always easy to spot, but a lot of it's hidden. Um, You don't see it, you don't think about it, because you don't necessarily see it all the time. But, um, unfortunately, it, it seems to exist just about everywhere.
0: Yeah, and we we've experienced it everywhere we've worked. I mean, yes. there's not a place I haven't worked that I haven't experienced it. Like I said, it's just different degrees.
1: Right, and the culture of the organization has a big has a big role to play in that. Whether it's um, you supported, know, supported, or supported. ignored, yeah. or uh, you know, allowed to continue.
0: Let Let's just make this clear. It's it only exists because it's supported. Uh, the The leadership, the senior leadership, is unwilling to do what's necessary to, to make it stop. I, that's the bottom line. What, no matter what business tells you or leadership tells you, if if they want to do something about it, they'll do something about it. I've seen CEOs make moves uh, that benefited them and with no constraints, so they they can do it. Um, they choose not to because a lot of times they benefit from it, and you know this is these are things that people won't admit.
1: That and they tend to take the easy way out. Yeah,
0: the easy. They don't. They're right? not. It's, or it's
1: been going on for so long. They're that, just used to it, and, and they haven't documented it. That it's just allowed to to continue.
0: So I, I want to kind of, and we'll jump in here with our personal stories. But the the there is an article that I that I reference that I think is is really perfect. It's uh, the five telltale signs of a toxic workplace and watch what to watch out for, and the number one. Number, number one is narcissist on top, right? So if you've ever worked for uh, a narcissist, uh, whether it be your direct boss or the CEO or a lot of C-suites, uh, that, that it starts there. They, they say uh, tend to believe that rules don't apply to them. And I think once that exists, then other people feel the same way.
1: Right or you have people who it, it's very obvious that they're only looking out for themselves and their own best interest and their own professional future as opposed to a more collaborative environment where supervisors are truly um, you know committed to helping employees grow and learn.
0: Right and they don't you know it's a standards right if you if you hold an organization within this organization to a certain standard and everyone is held to that standard you're not going to have that kind of stuff but when you pick and choose who is held to that standard? That's where the discrepancy started, and that's where the toxic workplace begins. Because you're not holding everyone to that same standard. You're going to let that person slide because they're really good at sales or they're they're productive. Because if you look at the research, a lot of toxic employees are really good at their job, and so it's overlooked. It's like uh, being from healthcare physicians who are high producing physicians, and they'll just ignore their behavior and. It's accepted. It's just like, well, that's just the way that person is. And to me personally, uh, the, neg- the negativity outweighs what they're bringing in because it, it will ultimately hurt your organization in the long run and in the bottom line, again. But these are things that Sarah said, it takes courage to kind of stand up to and stop. Uh, and I'm just shocked at it. Uh, and here's the other thing too. When we say narcissist on top, We've both experiences narcissists on top. We've had peers who are narcissists, and we've had uh, direct bosses and subordinates mm-hmm. who have been narcissists. So uh-huh. we've kind of experienced it from all levels and all angles, uh, mm-hmm. not only from you know the C's. And it's I, I'm just kind of blown away by by how prevalent it is in organizations, and even to this day, it's 2018, and it seems right. to get worse. Well, and as Not I better. mentioned
1: earlier, it also, you know, people who have been in the, with the same organization for 10, 15, 20 or plus years, um, they've been there long enough where they feel like they can do whatever they want to do. And again, because they've been there so long, it's just sort of allowed.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's another key element that you'll find is that where organizations have this kind of behavior that's lasted for so long and it's just built into the organization, it's part of the culture. It's the foundation and no one is willing to challenge it. And then if you come in as a new employee and you have a a different perspective, it's usually uh, pushed away really quickly because it's against what the organization is used to and people aren't going to stand up for it because they have used to the other way. And so it never goes away. Uh, One of the other, there's five. uh, The second one is lack of transparency. Uh, I think this is really important too, because if you have if you're open and honest with what's going on in the organization, you're less likely to have that because everyone is aware and that's whether how you're performing as an organization, what the standards are, how certain organizations or departments, I should say, interact with each other and the contributions that they provide, I think is important because you're always looking at sales and revenue as the kind of the, foundation of the organization, but you never give credit to maybe the back office who makes a lot of those things work. And when you have those discrepancies or those priorities mixed up and they're not treated equal, you're going to have that, uh, those problems. Um, I've seen it because no one will give credit to a lot of the people that are doing the work and there's no transparency, meaning no one is made aware of it or they don't publish it and they don't, they don't, uh, they don't reward it or recognize it, and yeah. it just it just it continues.
1: Right. It's just it's just allowed to continue, and it really you know the bottom line is it starts with the management and the leadership on down, and whether or not they um, are willing to go out on a limb and put an end to it.
0: And I think a lot of organizations are happier with it when they're not communicating. Uh, they they like to be secretive and they don't like to communicate and tell and tell the employees what's going on because they like to have the upper hand you know knowledge is power and i think they would they would realize if they were more open and more you know more communicative with their employees that they would be better off now i'm not saying you can you don't have to talk about sensitive if you're looking at a merger or things like that you don't have to tell everyone that but i think it's better to be at least more open with the direction the objectives, the priorities, the str- you know the strategy. I think organizations they do a really good job of that. The employees are more engaged, and then they're more willing to do uh, the right thing because they know what uh, they're contributing to the success of the organization. And I think this looks this always falls to the wayside for well, some. Well, and I was just
1: going to add, not only just being. Communicative about all of that stuff, but then you know, walking the the walk and talking the talk, and, and actually doing what you said you're going to do. Because a lot of organizations uh, like to hold town hall meetings; they like to get employees involved. But then, when the when it comes time to actually make the decisions and walk the walk, they they fall short.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, and I, I think the the biggest one, which is the next point, is the one that I've seen the the greatest next to the, next to the narcissist. Is this inconsistent rule book? I think yes. this causes the most problems. And we get in organizations, we confuse fairness uh, being fair and being equal. And I mm-hmm. think what happens is certain people, certain leaders believe that they have to treat everyone equal to be fair, and that's not the way it mm-hmm. works because not everyone is equal. There are people who are better at their job or better performers. And if everyone is treated fairly, then you're not going to have these problems. But we think we have to treat everyone equal. And what it does is it takes really good employees and it says, oh, you're you're as equal as a really bad employee. and And they know it and don't think that you're fooling them. They understand it and they see it. And this lack of a basic fairness is a good way to fuel a mutiny at work. And I really think... That this is where most of these problems arise. This is the root of, at least from my experience, of where most of the toxic work environment is created. Because you have leaders who, again, don't have the courage to do what's right, and they confuse fair and equal. And once they start doing that, they'll scold someone and not the other, or they'll they'll apply a rule to someone and not to another, and. For whatever reason, I still don't get it, organizations think that that their employees are idiots because there's no other reason why you would behave this way if you don't think your employees are smart. And they pick it up and they know it. And they use this, well, at least you have a job, right? I've heard this a million times. Oh, well, at least you have a job. You should be thankful. It's like, well, no, you should be thankful that I'm contributing to this organization and making it better. It goes both ways. This is not a one-sided this isn't slavery, right? Or indentured servitude. This is, this is, you're getting paid to do a job and you're contributing. If you're not contributing, then, then maybe you shouldn't be there. And we confuse that. Like, oh, well, you should be so thankful that you have a job. And I would flip it and say, well, no, you should be thankful that you have me working here.
1: Yeah. I think that gets lost in the shuffle a lot that, that, you know, employment is a two-way street. And um you know employees yes obviously people want to have a good job and they want to contribute to the bottom line but you know employers also have a responsibility to value their employees and treat them all fairly
0: yeah and that's in responsibility right that's i mean right. if you want to if you truly want to be successful in the business world if as a leader as a ceo as a cfo as a coo and you really want to be successful then you have to apply these principles Because as much as you think you're going to be, you're not because you're going to be costing the organization a lot of money, whether it be litigation, whether it be turnover, whether it be uh, a, a workplace that is sick, right? Literally sick because you have employee burnout, fatigue, you have people who become unproductive, they come in and they just stamp their card every day and they're not working to their capacity. Because they realize that it doesn't matter. And you, you're not going to make money. You're not going to be successful. And you're certainly not going to be as successful as you should be or could be. And again, for whatever reason, organizations ignore this. And they don't really take the initiative to make it better. Because, every, like I said, every organization I've worked at ha- has had this. And I'm, I'm amazed at how long it goes on. It's, it's just, it's amazing. And we've worked, you know, both Sarah and I have worked, uh, in non-for-profits, Sarah's predominantly worked in the government world, right? Whether mm-hmm. it be local government, uh, county government, mm-hmm. uh, and I've worked, uh, in healthcare, uh, and I'm just amazed at, yeah, at and- how much, how much, how prevailing it is.
1: And we, you know, pervasive. working working in the public sector is very different. And I have seen, you know, many examples of where the public sector tries tries really hard to be more objective um, in their hiring practices and their performance review practices. Um, but despite that, I continue to see instances of um, favoritism and people not being treated equally. Um, and it does just it just contributes to um, the negativity in the workplace.
0: And one of the other things, too, is this commiserating colleagues, uh, which I would basically state as like Mm cliques, right? Mm -hmm. Little gossip teams uh, that are created where you're uh, on Survivor and you got to come up with uh, alliances. So you start having these groups of people that say, okay, well, if you're my ally, I'll stick up for you. And if if you stick up for me, I'll stick up for you. And so you create it's it, It is. It's like Survivor.
1: Right, You create
0: these groups of people that have these alliances, and the next thing you know, you feel like you're going to battle.
1: Yeah, and it goes back to your podcast on the high school principal, too, in terms of those cliques. But um, I've seen that everywhere I've ever worked, there are always um, sort of those gossipy uh, people who try to get into everybody's business and share information that should not be shared. Um, And it does. It causes a lot of problems.
0: Yeah, and then it creates paranoia, too, right? Because once you see a couple people talking... And if you're not really secure in yourself and you see people talking and you're like, are they talking about me? And then they're, sh- they're sharing information that they shouldn't be. And mm-hmm. you also have people who talk out of both sides of their mouth, mm-hmm. right, which is mm-hmm. classic, right? They'll say something to you. Oh, you're so great. You're wonderful. And they'll go back to someone else and go, man, he's terrible. I can't believe he's here. I don't know what he's doing. And you have these people all the time. And again, this, this happens because you don't have any structure. You don't have objectivity. You don't have leadership being courageous to take a stand to stop it. And the, a lot of times it's because they benefit from it and they, they want. It's kind of like if people are in fighting that they're not going to go after the leaders, right? So they keep people. This is a great tactic, right? You keep everyone busy. And they forget about what the other person's doing. So it's like, mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen leaders do this. And, and I'm not talking like managers. I'm talking about C-suite do this where they like the infighting because they're like, oh, okay, they're busy. They're not going to worry about me, mm-hmm. what I'm doing over here. And uh, they, they, they get some sort of pleasure out of it. And it's happened more than once to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty sad. And the only way that you can stop it is if you get, people in the organization who are willing to stop it. And again, or at least minimize it, right? So you isolate those people that are toxic, and you isolate that behavior, and you make it stick out where people realize, oh, wow, this person's really sticking out, and not in a good way. And you can eliminate it. But it's it's a hard thing to do, because you have to take a stand, you have to be courageous. And I, I would think what I've seen over the last 10 years or so is courage uh, does not exist a lot in leadership.
1: Yeah, and you have to be willing to, uh, you know, approach that person and document it and get HR involved if needed. Um, but you have to be consistent. And you have to be fair. So in other words, you know, if all of a sudden you're going to start calling people out on behavior that's been going on for 5 or 10 years, uh, you know, that's not going to work. But you have to set the tone and set the the culture Towards shifting so that um, you know those changes are are expected and people know that okay this behavior is not going to be tolerated anymore.
0: Well, and to your let, let's talk about HR a little bit too because mm-hmm. I've seen a couple things where um, HR is basically they're powerless. So in an organization where operations might rule, it doesn't matter what HR does because they're going to be trumped by operations and so hr doesn't even have the power to put those things in place Mm -hmm. or they do but it's kind of no one considers it the the rule right? right and so you have to have a strong hr that sticks up for everyone in a consistent manner and i've seen some organizations that have really good hr departments who really stick up for employees in multiple situations, I've seen this, uh, I've experienced it personally, and then I've seen organizations where HR has no power and they'll say something, but they don't, they don't mm-hmm. fulfill that mm-hmm. right, their action. Right. And it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily their fault. It's, it's, again, it's the culture and it's the, the power that, um, that they should have. They don't, and you don't have an outlet then as an employee, you don't have an outlet because where are you going to go? Right. Right. What are you going to do? So uh, the, the last the last category um, is one of the the telltales, uh, is a place is literally sick, right? I've kind of, I, I used that word earlier, but you can tell, like, if people are miserable all the time and they're burnt out and they feel, and I would say helpless or hopeless, you, you probably work for an organization that's toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you... If people have really given up and resigned to the fact that no matter what they do, it's not it's not going to change anything, then you're probably in a toxic environment. And when you hear people talk like that, where they're like, I'm not going to do anything about it. It's not worth it. I tried. I used to fight the good fight. And I'm just going to come in and do my job.
1: Or no matter what I do. No, no matter, matter what, what I, I do. Try, I don't get ahead. I don't get recognized. Nothing changes. And so,
0: really, at that point, there there's nothing that can be done unless you change the culture. And more times than not, I've seen a lot of people who have just given up and they might've been there a long time and they might have fought at the beginning, but lost so many times that they just don't have the energy to do it. And they're not willing to leave. So they're just going to put up with it. And this is the worst case scenario because at this point, really nothing's gonna change. And the
1: organization loses out.
0: I mean we've accepted a lot of stuff in society. Let's be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. we could go on to all the societal problems that we're facing right now and organizations are just microcosms of what we're talking about. And a lot of times this behavior exists because we accept it. Right? Whether we're employees, we accept it. The the leaders don't set examples and don't set the standards and don't and and you know, don't drive the behavior. And we accept it because we're either we're either afraid to leave because we're afraid that we're not gonna get another job, we have a good job, we like it, we like maybe the people that we work with uh, directly, Uh, we're paid well, Um, and change is is difficult, change is scary, right? I, I do that for a living and a lot of people don't like change because they don't like to do something differently. They're not used to it and they're comfortable with what they've been doing for so long. And so that's hard and I've worked in organizations where people have been there 20 to 25 years And you're not going to get them to change when they've been there 20 to 25 years, especially, and maybe not so much anymore, because you don't have the same kind of uh, pensions and retirement funds that you used to have, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when I worked at uh, GE, I mean, people were there for 25 years because they would get great packages. Those days are long gone. Organizations don't do those kinds of things anymore. So I'm hoping that people are willing to do it. Um, and do something, you know, do something different. Now, uh, you know, one of the things that I really want to talk about too is how this costs the organization, right? And what the real effect is. And so let's let's talk about this. Uh, so toxic employees, I'm going to give you a quote: toxic employees alienate their coworkers and team members, which also really Also directly impacts the bottom line. 80% of employees lost work time worrying about the offending employees' rudeness. 78% said their commitment to the organization declined in the face of toxic behavior. 66% said their performance declined. 63% lost work time and avoided the offender. And 48% decreased their work effort. So, you know, think about that. Those are numbers that are affecting the bottom line because you're not getting work out of these people. Right. Or you're getting a significant decrease in work. And this is this is not this is not a good thing. This is not a good thing. And to me, organizations should start looking at the dollars associated with this, because even if you look at even if you look at turnover rate and how much that impacts your bottom line because of the amount of money that you have to put into bringing people in and retraining them. And I, we just kind of overlooked that. It's like, yeah, okay, it's just something we do. People are always going to leave, and it's no big deal. And it's like, well, yeah, it is a big deal.
1: Well, and companies don't want to look at themselves in the mirror and, and admit that, that there is a problem or that they could be doing something better to fix it for the employees. They'd rather just say, "Oh, there goes another disgruntled employee. Not our nothing to do with us, not our fault. It's just them. Uh, let them leave and we'll we'll move on."
0: Well, and I think you that's a great point. That's a great point, right? It's it's just like not having any self-awareness or being self-reflective. It's so easy to go, "Yeah, that problem that that employee was a problem. I'm glad they're la- they left." And I'm talking about good employees by the way, right? They're a rabble-rouser. They cause all these problems because they're trying to fight for what's right and they would rather some organizations would rather them be gone because they don't want to have to think about it right it's it's no different than any relationship that you might be in you don't want to have to think about certain aspects of of your personality Mm -hmm. right um no one's perfect and organizations are made up of people who are not perfect uh and far from it and we don't like to address those things to your point. That's right. So we would rather just say, oh, they left, and then we can just say, yeah, it was them. It's really easy because look, they left. We can talk about them. We can say all the things we want. They're no longer there.
1: right.
0: And that that is not a good thing. And people should not uh, should not accept that and should look at it a little bit more. And anytime that happens, you should take a, a really, hard look at the organization and what that means for the organization and what that means for the culture and what it means for the bottom line. How does that affect what we're doing and how we want to make and how we want to be successful? You know what? It's it's no different than like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, what do you want the organization to be? What do you want it to reflect? What do you want it to be driving towards? What are your priorities? And you can tell it's never a priority because if it was, it would change. And I've seen it, like I said, in pretty much everywhere I've worked. And I'm still shocked today because we're still having this conversation in 2018 uh, about a situation or an organization that really should not exist. So um, let me give you a number. Um, A Harvard Business School study of more than 60,000 employees found that a superstar performer, one that models desired values, and delivers consistent performance brings in more than uh, $5,300 in cost savings to a company. Avoiding a toxic hire or letting one go quickly delivers uh, $12,500 in cost savings, right? So think about that, right? It's it's That's a significant amount of money um, if you start adding that up because you're not just talking about one toxic employee. And if you have toxic employees throughout the organization, in key positions, then, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to throw some numbers out there because I think it's important to, to understand that um, because there is a number associated with it. When you start putting numbers to it, which I think organizations should, you're more likely to do something about it. People want to be, people want to see dollars. They want to see numbers. And you gotta, you gotta think that way. And if you start putting that in front of people, they're more likely to, to do something about it, so let's let's talk about solutions. Uh, and Sarah, what what do you what do you think? I have some ideas. Well, I think
1: we've we've kind of touched on some of it, but you know, starting with a, a clean slate, even if this is, behavior's been going on for a while, you know, sort of starting with a clean slate, and that might mean you know maybe when you have a new a leader come in, that's a good time to do something like this, or someone new into HR, a new leader, um, to say, hey you know this is our let's let's relook at our mission vision values let's reevaluate where we want to be as a company where we see ourselves what's preventing us from getting there um... sort of setting the tone for some of these changes that are going to come because again the people who've been there for many years they're not going to want to do it they're not going to believe it's going to happen this time because they've probably heard it before laying that groundwork and then uh... as we said earlier you know walk the walk and talk the talk do what you say you're going to do Get HR involved, and if you have to start documenting certain behaviors, then that's what you do, but you have to do it from day one, and it has to be consistent.
0: Well, I would say, to add to that, I would say document. Uh, Document, 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 and do it in a way that you get multiple people to do this. So, you you know, talk about clicks, but get a group of people, a group of leaders, a group of managers, and start taking the initiative to push back. Um, If you get a leader in, in a certain I would say a influential position. You know, go to them, utilize them, use them as an ally, get them to stand behind you. It's just no different than any other initiative that you might want uh, to get going. Uh, you go to people that you think can think can influence others. Do it that way, but document it and show them uh, what it means. You know, put it in. Like I said, put it in dollars and statements. Put it in a problem statement. You know, write a problem statement right? And, and as you document, say, here's the incidence and this is what it means and this is what it's going to cost you. The amount of waste, we haven't mm. even talked about waste. Yeah, waste. Think about the amount of waste that goes through your day doing this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the drama. Drama is typically waste. As much as people like soap operas and they love soap operas, right? <laughs> I don't care if you're watching it during the day or at night. Pretty much you're loving soap operas. Uh, and people like soap operas at work. Don't let them fool you. But... There's a lot of waste that's associated with that and it's unnecessary and it's avoidable. It's avoidable. So let's, and I want to go back to something about dollars real quick. It is estimated that workplace toxicity costs companies $14,000 per employee due to lost productivity. So think about that. So there's another number to throw out there and there's plenty of research out there to do it.
1: So it's not just something you want to sweep under the rug and allow to continue.
0: And, and I don't believe in resigning and giving up but the other way to address this is to move on uh if you don't think that you can fix this situation Mm -hmm. uh and you don't think that it's ever going to change then you need to move on uh organizations are going to make a decision whether to do something or not Mm -hmm. um you know the first solution although this isn't a solution rich podcast as much as i would like it to be because i think you have to come to the re the the reality that it, it it might not be able to be fixed. Uh, right. Every the,
1: every employer is not going to be a perfect fit with every employee. So you definitely, so, it's again we go back to that two way street. Yeah. It is a two way street. Um, and while everyone wants to have a great job, um, there are organizations that, for whatever reason, are just not a good fit for you. And if if toxicity is one of them, you know that's something to consider.
0: Right. So you know the question always comes down to what are you willing to accept, right? Mm -hmm. What are you willing to accept? Uh, That's what it comes down to. I would always start, look for allies, look for people to make change, go to HR like uh, Sarah said, uh, use them, document, show stats, show numbers, put it together. Even if you have to get numbers on your own, look at turnover rate and, and look at how much that's costing the organization and go back to... Uh, you know, why people are leaving, um, especially if you're in a management role, I mean, you're going to have access to this stuff and you're going to know this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you've been in an organization long enough, you, you should have the pulse of what's going on. And as a leader, take it upon yourself to say these things, right? So with that being said, though, if again, on the flip side, if you don't feel like it's worth it anymore and you don't think it's going to be worth changing, then you, you have to decide whether you're mm-hmm. gonna stay or go. Um, when you're in the middle ground uh, is when you're most uh, when you're probably the most miserable and you got to make a decision I'm either gonna go and then you go full force or you're gonna stay and you're gonna accept that environment as it is
1: uh, And most people want a positive. I mean most people are positive they want a positive work environment we, let's face it we spend eight to ten hours a day at work. So we spend a lot of time with these people. In some cases, we spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family members. So, uh, you know, long-term chronic work stress um, does add up. Uh, But, you know, there are people out there willing to do it. You just have to try to find them and make it work.
0: I mean, put it in perspective, you start working, most people will start working between 16 and 20 years old. And you are, and especially now, you're probably going to work till you're 70 years old. Okay, our generation is probably mm-hmm. going to have to work till they're seventy years old. Thanks, baby boomers, and uh, and Congress. So think about that and where you're spending most of your time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So th- this is this is this is uh, something that you have to keep in mind. Sarah and I are both positive people. Um, we try and drive positivity. Uh, we're passionate about what we do. We believe in what we do. Um, especially being in process improvement. I need change. I have to have change. Otherwise, you don't get improvements. That's that's a fact, right? So along with that comes things that people aren't comfortable with. Uh, but always drive to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And I think if you drive to do what's right, uh, everything will work out. And majority of people, let's just put this in perspective, majority of people are good, and they want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not... When you have a toxic environment, it's because a couple of toxic employees created it, and the organization was unwilling to fight it, right? It's that's how it usually starts. So, looking at, like I said, isolating those toxic employees and making them stand out with uh, data, right? With documentation. That is that is your that should be your goal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Sarah, anything to add as we wrap up?
1: I can't think of anything. I think we've sort of covered everything. It's you know really comes down to um, you know management and leadership and being willing to stand up to those one or two people who are causing uh, the majority of the problems in your organization.
0: Well, and and, I'll, and I'm going to tell you this: uh, the podcast that I've done, and this is I think my sixth or seventh mm-hmm. podcast, you'll hear a theme like throughout of it you're going to drive the behavior um, that you want to see. And if you're willing to do what's right, you'll find the place to do it at. And all these things exist in all organizations.
1: Right.
0: It's just what are you willing to put up with and what kind of changes can you make? But don't accept it and drive to what you know is right because organizations will benefit from it. If you do these things, if you treat employees right, there's plenty of people that will say this, if you treat employees right, your customers will be treated right. And when your customers are treated right, you will be successful. There's no organizations that are out there that haven't, who aren't successful that didn't treat employees and customers right. This is the bottom line. So keep that in mind. So lastly, as long as I can remember, I asked why and how come. Challenging and conventional thinking, which equips me with a unique managed point of perspective. I think by now you should know this. I do look at the world differently. I don't accept what's around us. I fight for what I think is right. And most people that know me, I think would agree. Um, I can help you unlock your organization's potential to implement the right solution, which starts with metrics. I've used this, use metrics, use data, use documentation, right? For this topic, I would recommend you determine the following. So look at turnover rate, right? Look at productivity, Uh, Use employee engagement surveys, you know, look at what they're specifically responding to when you get low numbers on certain aspects of your business. Use those things. Those are metrics that you can use to improve your organizations and transparency, publish them, show people what they say, and then put an action plan in place or drive an action plan or help drive an action plan in place. Right. And I can help. I can help with this. That you can show improvements, right? If people are saying that certain aspects of the business aren't working well, right? That mm-hmm. they don't, they're don't, they not recognized. Then look at what, what are your recognition programs, right? And look at how do you do that? Um, how do you put in something that's standard and objective, okay? Things that you want to look at. So what are the pain points? Are you willing to do something different? And are you committed to change? And what are your customers saying, right? Your customers are going to feel some of this too, by the way. Uh, they're 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 not going to uh, they're not going to be oblivious to this. If you notice, uh, patients will pick up how how they're treated um, by how employees are treating each other. Uh, in the clinical situation, if they see nurses fighting, they're probably not going to be comfortable with the situation because they're they're probably not going to think that they're going to be treated right. So keep that in mind, uh, and customers will see this. Um, By measuring and asking these questions, this will help determine performance metrics, critical to quality elements, which are uh, CTQs, um, value-add elements. Remember, what brings value and what's waste? So ask yourself. By providing data-driven analytics to determine the root cause of any issue, I can assist in answering these questions. So please check out my website at www.dynamicrg.com and at Twitter at drginfo and always remember and never forget as rush from the song grand design stated so much style without substance so much stuff without style it's hard to recognize the real thing it comes along once in a while thank you
1: thank you